As you can see, we will be back and forth between 2 Chronicles 3 and 1 Kings 6. And the temple construction begins, and this will go for another chapter or two after these chapters. Uh, the, ex- the extensive work and the completion of everything. So we'll start out <clears throat> in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 3. Solomon commenced to build the house of Yahweh in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where he had appeared to his father David, which he had prepared in David's place in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And he commenced to build in the second month, in the second, in the fourth year of his reign. Of course, all of this would be recorded, uh, and thus we are in uh, the chronicles, which were taken from all of the works of the scribes. Now, here's how 1 Kings chapter 6 Uh, starts out in the same fashion. It was in the 480th year after the departure of the children of Israel from Egypt, in the fourth year in the month of Ziv, which is the second month of Solomon's reign over Israel, that he did begin to build the house of Yahweh, the second month of his reign. And the house which King Solomon built for Yahweh The length thereof was 60 cubits, and the breadth thereof 20 cubits, and the height thereof 30 cubits. These these measurements and materials and so forth are rather, they're they're very specific. And the porch before the temple of the house, 20 cubits, was the length thereof, the breadth before the breadth of the house, and 10 cubits was the breadth uh, thereof before the house. And he made for the house windows that were broad, on the outside and narrow on the inside. This is, as we go through this tonight, this is informative. Um, But we have to keep reflecting on the truth that God is leading the world to Jesus Christ. What they're doing here is something radically new in the world. To build a temple like this to a deity, to the deity. There was was no project like this in the world, especially no project that was a temple whereby people would build build something to their God. And uh, the magnificence of it uh, is hard to fathom when we go through uh, all of this. Now we go back to 2 Chronicles 3 and the writer gives to us the dimension and the materials that are used. And with these, Solomon was counseled to build the house of Elohim. The length in cubits in the first measure was 60 cubits. The breadth was 20 cubits. The vestibule, the length of which was according to the breadth of the house, was 20 cubits and the height was 120. And he overlaid it from within with pure Gold. There are images that, uh, that, of course, none of this exists, hasn't existed. Matter of fact, it was five years, I think, after Solomon's death that this magnificent uh, temple was uh, was ravaged. Um, so there's all we can do is take the take what we see here 
and depict it as best we can in images as to how magnificent this, uh, this whole thing was. Look at the last, overlaid it with pure gold from within. So when you go, when you go into the presence of Yahweh, this was the way it was designed in the tabernacle. Of course, the tabernacle in no way can compare with this temple. Yet still, the design uh, is, is very, very similar. And the, the, the meaning of worship and so forth, all still the same from tabernacle uh, to temple. But when you come in, you come into the brass, uh, the brazen altar, the brass altar, Everything where man comes in is brass. And then as, as one goes in closer to the presence of God or as the presence of God with his people, it, uh, it changes from brass then to silver and certain hangings. And then from there, of course, to gold. And gold is, is representative of deity. The greater house he overlaid with juniper wood Overlaid it with fine gold, and he wrought upon it palm trees and chains. He overlaid the house with precious stone for glory, and the gold was the gold of Parvem. And he overlaid the house, the beams, the side posts, and its walls, and its doors with gold. And he engraved cherubim on the walls. And he made the house of the Holy of Holies, its length on the face of the breadth of the house, 20 cubits, its breadth, 20 cubits, and he overlaid it with fine gold of 600 talents and the weight of the nails in shekels, 50 of gold and the upper stories he overlaid with gold. So this is the Holy of Holies, images of cherubim would be within the walls as you, as one would enter as a priest, uh, you're getting into the point here where, where only priests could go and, um, the cherubim are first pictured or first seen in the book of Genesis as being assigned to guard or keep the way to the tree of life. After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, the tree of life was not destroyed and the way of the tree of life was not taken away. It still existed but interestingly, from where Adam and Eve were in their sin, having been covered with uh, coats of skin, looking back to the tree of life, the thing that was between where they were and where the tree of life was, was a slain sacrifice. Something had to die so they could be covered with these skins. And and one of the things that the cherubim, of course, would uh, speak of would be the truth that God has provided a way for us to live forever. Now, in this culture and in this day, what God was teaching the world about himself and his salvation was found in the outfittings and uh, the structure and the material of, uh, of the temple. Now here is a depiction of the temple. Of course, there are the pillars. You'll see we'll talk about the pillars in a minute. 
and the courtyard uh, and then a holy place and the Holy of Holies is on back in there. I think I have a few other images in here in just a few minutes. Now the chambers, back to 1 Kings chapter 6. And against the wall of the house, he built a chamber round about against the walls of the house round about both of the temple and of the sanctuary. And he made chambers round about. The nethermost chamber was five cubits broad and the middle was six cubits broad and the third was seven cubits broad for he made rebatements in the wall of the house round about on the outside that the beams should not have hold, have hold in the walls of the house. Now this section here in first Kings uh, about certain, like what we're reading here that is not in second Chronicles. And the house, when it was in building, was built of stone finished at the quarry. Now, that's an important statement. The stone was finished at the quarry, and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. Obviously, the instructions were to finish the stones and the wood, everything that was going to go into the temple, Finish it where it's taken, either at the quarry or, or out of the forest, whatever. So that the reverence, there could be reverence in this house as it was being built. And therefore, it's an interesting statement that there wasn't any noise of construction. That's kind of interesting. If you've ever been around, well, we all have, uh, something that's being built. You got cranes and jackhammers and men yelling and. All kind of stuff. Not here. They saw this is a, this is just a meticulous point that that Solomon would have made. Finish these as much as possible, so that in the completion of the structure, everything will be done in reverence. Uh, verse eight: The door of the lowest chamber was in the right side of the house with winding stairs. They went up into the middle chamber and from the middle um, into the third. And he built the house and finished it. And he covered the house with paneling and joined planks of cedar. And he built the chambers against all the house, each five cubits high. And he covered the house with timber of cedar. Just this is obviously just a, a list of things that uh, are used to show us how precious the materials were that went into it. And I know you can read all of that. Um, it's designed for telescopic vision. Um, but mainly we came for the picture in the first place, right? So we saw kind of what the outside was, and this is just a cutaway of the temple on the inside, and everything just overlaid with, with gold, which goes from the holy place then into the holy of holies, where you see the cherubim and uh, the ark of the covenant. And in this particular picture, there's an explanation of what all this stuff is. You can't read it and I can't either. I'd have to go up here and stand right under it. But the picture is the main thing. Now, here is the promise of God. This whole thing is conditional. God doesn't live in a, a, a structure built by man. He doesn't have to have that. As a matter of fact, most of this is speaking of God being with his people. And the, the temple and all that goes on in the temple is, is 
it illustrates and it's representative in the best way that it could be portrayed to the people of God, something about the characteristics of God, his willingness to save us and how precious and special God is. But here's a promise that comes from God regarding all of this. And it's found here in uh, this portion of scripture in first Kings six, beginning verse 11. The word of Yahweh came to Solomon saying, concerning this house, which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, you notice if, and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I establish my word with you, which I spoke to David, your father. And I will dwell among the children or actually among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. And Solomon built the house and finished it. Of course, Solomon would have answered in the positive and responded as he would have led the people to do uh, as well. And he built the walls of the house within boards of cedar from the floor of the house till the joists of the ceiling. He covered them on the inside with wood. He covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. He built the 20 cubits at the end of the house with boards of cedar from the floor under the joists of the ceiling and he built it within for a sanctuary for the Holy of Holies. And 40 cubits was the house that is the temple that is before the sanctuary. And the cedar of the house within was carved with knobs and open flowers. All was cedar. There was no stone seen. And the sanctuary he prepared in the midst of the house within to set there the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. And within the sanctuary was 20 cubits in length, 20 cubits in breadth, and 20 cubits in its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold and he covered the altar with cedar. Now, there are spiritual connotations about these things, but we went through all of that in the, in the book of Exodus. And our having retained that in, in our memory, we're not going to repeat all of that here uh, in this portion. And Solomon overlaid the house within from pure gold and he barred with chains of gold before the sanctuary and he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold until all the house was finished. And the whole altar that was by the sanctuary, he overlaid with gold. Now, we go back uh, to Second Chronicles 3. I thought we did. Let me do this one more time. There we go. To pick up the depiction of the cherubim, which would be in the Holy of Holies. And their wings, of course, would cover the Ark of the Covenant. So we consider now the cherubim and how it's talked about in both Second Chronicles and First Kings. And he made in the Holy of Holies two cherubim with the appearance of children, and they overlaid them with gold. And the wings of the cherubim, their length was 20 cubits. The length of the one was five cubits, and the reaching of the wall of the house, the other wing was five cubits, reaching the wing of the other cherub. If you can get that picture, I think we all have seen somewhere along the way what that is. And the wing of one of the one cherub was five cubits reaching the wall of the house. And the other wing was five cubits cleaving to the wing of the other cherub. Now, this is a little different than it was in the tabernacle. But yet still, the Ark of the Covenant is in the shadow of the wings. The wings of these cherubim were spread out 20 cubits and they were standing on their feet with their faces to the house. Now here's what First King says about that. And he made within the sanctuary two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits in height, 
Five cubits was one wing of the kerub, five cubits the other wing of the kerub. Ten cubits were from the uttermost part of its one wing to the uttermost part of its other wing. And ten cubits uh, was the other kerub. Both kerubim were of one measure and one form. The height of the one kerub was ten cubits, and so was it of the other kerub. And he set the kerubim within the inner house, and they stretched forth the wings of the kerubim. And the wing of the one touched the wall, and the wing of the other kerub touched the other wall. And their wings in the midst of the house touched one another. And he overlaid the kerubim with um, gold. And all the walls of the house he surrounded with figures, carved figures of kerubim and palm trees and open flowers from within and for the one without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold for the one within and for the one without. Now the kerubim, they're obviously an important part of, of the worship, the teaching, the building, the outfittings of the tabernacle. Of course, this is the, the, those that their wings stretch from one wall to the other. That, <clears throat> that would be only in the Holy of Holies. And under their wings, under their outstretched wings, was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had its own set of ketamim, small, much smaller. Now, ketamim, the Bible gives to us a word seraphim in Isaiah, which means burning ones. Seraphim, seraph. A seraph is not a cherub. And a cherub is not a seraph. The seraphim are seen chanting holy, holy, holy as though they were uh, in constant worship of Almighty God, the Most High. When we put all of the things that we read about the cherubim together, the cherubim, on the other hand, are seen as, um, not that God needs a guardian, but they are seen as protectors of what the Word of God is, the essence of which is in the Ark of the Covenant. And... There were five originally, according to Ezekiel. One has fallen, and he, he became the prince of darkness. He became Satan. He was their captain. He was the strongest and their leader. But he fell, and there are still four just like him remaining. And there are these two depicted in the Holy of Holies. And if you study out what Ezekiel says, and even the Revelation, they each, they each have four faces, and uh, those faces represent a part of, animate, of God's animate creation. So there are four of them left, and in Ezekiel they are seen as bearing up the, the, the Merchabah, the, the chariot throne of the Son of God. And he comes in a light, what looks like a lightning storm when Ezekiel sees him. And these, these, in a very complex passage of scripture, these cherubim are bearing up that throne, the pinnacle of which was the seat of the Son of God. 
And they move swiftly, faster than we could imagine, I'm sure. And they move according to the spirit, so says Ezekiel. And they can move in unison and they can move anywhere they want to at great speed. So, so they, they sort of, they, they, they guard the way to the tree of life. And they are more powerful than anything that would threaten, that would seem to threaten the will, the way, the word of God. And that's their importance. And so they're seen there in that very important place in the Holy of, of, uh, of Holies as well. So they have an important uh, aspect. They're the ones, you see them, I think, Zoe is the Greek word in the Revelation. They are the living ones, the four living ones. There's an unfortunate translation, King Zambi call them the four living beasts, I think, or something like that. But uh, that makes you think that they look like dragons. Or, it's just not that at all. They don't look like that. Matter of fact, they're, they're magnificent, I'm sure, if, if one could actually get a picture of what they were like. They're absolutely magnificent, and they are awesome. There are four of them. So being four, you know, there are four winds, there are four points on a compass, there are four this, four that. So in nature, in time and space, the cherubim can do whatever the Spirit of God moves to do, and they move that swiftly. So they're very, very powerful, and they have an important place uh, in, in the temple, they had an important place in the tabernacle and also have an important place here in uh, the temple. The veil now and the pillars. He made dividing curtain of blue, purple, and crimson yarn, fine linen, and he wrought cherubim into them. There they are again. And he made before the house two pillars, 35 cubits long, and the capital that was on the top of each was, uh, one was five cubits he made chains in the debir and he, the holy, and he placed them atop the pillars and he made a hundred pomegranates and placed them in the chains and he erected the pillars before the chakal, one from the right, one from the left, and he named the right one Jachim and the left one Boaz. Okay, so now we go back over to 1 Kings 6 and we get a de depiction of what the doors were like. And for the entrance of the sanctuary, he made doors of olive wood. The lintel and side posts were of five parts, the two doors of olive wood. He carved upon them carvings of cherubim and palm trees, open flowers, and he overlaid them with gold and spread gold upon the cherubim and upon the palm trees. And he made likewise for the entrance of the temple side posts of olive wood of four parts. And two doors of cypress wood, the two leaves of the one door were folding and the two leaves of the other door were folding. And he carved there on cherubim and palm trees and opened flowers and he overlaid them with gold fitted upon uh, the carved work. You're just gonna, I tell you, you're just gonna have to Google this thing to get an idea of in the best way that a man could make an image of how this must have looked it's, it's unbelievable that something, especially at that point in time, could have been built like this and with all of these precious materials. Now the courtyard, continuing on 
in 1 Kings 6. And he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone in a row of cut cedar beams. And the fourth year was the foundation of the house of Yahweh laid in the month of Ziv. And in the 11th year, in the month Bul, and in the eighth month, the house was finished throughout all the parts thereof. And according to all the fashion of it, he built it in seven years. All right. Now that was, you can see, you can get an idea how at that point in time, without modern machinery, how focused Solomon was and the people as well, how focused they were on completing the temple and all of the meticulous things that went into it. It wasn't just the structure itself. It was all of the carvings and uh, the things that were, that were placed into the walls and the pillars and what was on the top of the pillars and, and the different kinds of the palm trees, and almonds and all that. We spoke about that back in the Exodus. It speaks of the ministry of Christ, the person of Christ, the resurrection and all kinds of stuff. And we're not going to back, go back through that now. But this... This is a, it's an overview of such a magnificent thing, something radically new in its day. And of course, only the spirit of God could have stayed with the people or could have made the people stay with the project uh, such that it finally uh, was completed. And really in a, in a rather, uh, a rather, quick period of time. We're going to stop there. We'll have our deacon prayer time.